You are Locked On Syracuse, your daily podcast on the Syracuse Orange, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome on in to the Locked On Syracuse podcast, Tyler Rocky and Tim Leonard. We got a packed show for you guys today because guess what? Tim, we usually get burned by this stuff, right? Overnight news. We sometimes record these in the afternoon. And then the news cycle starts to kick in. All this stuff starts happening. Things start gaining some traction. And what do you know? Our show is moot. But for some reason, I don't know what happened. There was some universal force out there that compelled us to record late at night heading into the Tuesday morning. And it saved us. It saved us. And we've got plenty of news to bring for you here. Did it save us, though? (laughs) I mean, maybe by the time people are listening to this, they already know... If BC truly is on a pause, because we'll get into it. These reports, I don't know what to make of it. And then also, maybe they'll know what it means for Syracuse ultimately. Because as of us recording, we don't know a whole lot. But we do know at least more than we would have known, you're right, at 2 or 3 p.m. All right, so I guess we just kind of start there. And also, be sure to follow us on Twitter, at LO underscore Syracuse. You can subscribe to the show as well. Be sure to hit that follow, subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts. I do want to bring up something on Twitter, though, because this was trending. And it it actually got to the point where our tweet itself was trending. Not to pat ourselves on the back here. but So there's that whole thing. This guy, at I am underscore A Ward, tweets out, If you're over 25, Mello is Carmelo Anthony. Period. And so to that, we tweeted out, If you were born today, Mello is Carmelo Anthony period. And I got to say, the the Carmelo versus LaMelo debate that is going on on Twitter right now is pretty funny. I will say this. The the LaMelo Hive is a chirpy bunch. They're a very (laughs) chirpy bunch. Uh, It may be a little indicative of of the man that they're uh, supporting in this case, but I feel like this is almost my my first get off my lawn moment. I'm, I'm what, <laughs> 23 years old, 24. I don't even know how old I am. I'm 23 yeah, years old. You should know um, that answer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 23 years old, 24 in a, about a month and a half. So, um, but this is my first sort of get off my lawn moment because I just don't understand how anyone can think that LaMelo is mellow and Carmelo Anthony isn't mellow. Like it, it just doesn't make sense to me. Now, I did see a great uh, counterpoint to that in the comments. It was kind of like how Ladanian Tomlinson isn't LT. And yeah. I'm always going to be someone who thinks that Ladanian Tomlinson is LT. So I guess that's where I, I'll I'll allow myself to be pushed back on and kind of take that. But Carmelo's always going to be mellow. I don't know right. about and you. Like, LaMelo has, is he a nice player? Does he have a promising future? Yes, but he's not LaDainian Tomlinson yet. So I don't even know why we're having this conversation right now. Maybe when LaMelo is an all-star in five years, then you can bring it up again. And like you said, maybe when Melo's out of the league. He's most famous because of his dad and his brother. Like, yeah. <laughs> that's why he's famous. And he's he just a good kind player. Of, he's, a lo- he's a good player. He's going to be better than his older brother, probably. But Yeah, no doubt. But it's just, it's incredibly early to be putting him in the same company as Carmelo. And I guess that's not the entirety of, of what you're doing when you're saying that he's mellow, but come on, Carmelo is mellow right now. And it's going to stay that way for a while. And it's going to stay that way. Definitely. As long as Carmelo is still playing in the league, which who knows how much longer that is, but it's going to be for at least this year. So I don't know why we're having the conversation right now. Right. Hashtag stay mellow. Although I did like, like the comments that said, what about fab mellow? 
he's mellow. I, yeah, I <laughs> right. guess he is mellow. Go, go, Fab Mellow. Shout out, Fab Mellow. But um, rest in peace. Um, but yeah, so I just wanted to to get that out there. Um, but let's get into a little bit of this BC stuff. Um, none of this is really concrete news yet, but there were some reports flying around, and there was even a a tweet that went out from this one podcast, the All Facts podcast, I believe it's called, and it did end up getting retweeted by Jeff Goodman as well. And we know Goodman is pretty tapped into the whole Boston market as well. Like, I feel like anytime I go to a Syracuse BC game, I, I stumble into Jeff Goodman at some point. Yeah, he was but... trying to fire my guy Brad Stevens today. He was talking about maybe <laughs> him going really? to Indiana. Yeah, he was starting that rumor, <laughs> sort of. I'm joking. Oh, boy. I, I was a little um, perturbed by that. But this account tweets out, breaking, Boston College will now go on pause due to positive COVID-19 tests among multiple Tier 1 personnel. This hasn't, at the time of us recording, hasn't really been reported by a ton of people yet. We saw the retweet from Goodman, and it's coming from that account as well. But, I mean, we haven't seen Rothstein. We haven't seen Pete Thamel or anything like that as of us recording this. But, of course, they played Syracuse on Saturday. And BC fired their coach, Jim Christian. And we saw Winston Tabs is suspended for the rest of the year because of violating the, the protocols and stuff like that. So... It's not out of the question that this is going to potentially be something that happens. If it does, that Syracuse and Louisville game goes in jeopardy. And if this is something that puts Syracuse on pause, it, it might oh, it be stink. the end of the season. <laughs> I mean, they would have to reschedule a ton of games. But I, I just, if, if Syracuse has to go on pause because of this, it will effectively end their season. Yeah, and I'm sure a lot of people are thinking back to the Buffalo scenario right now because that is what we have as a precedent. I will say the difference in this in Buffalo with a conference opponent, BC, as far as we know, and this is in their protocols, they should be wearing those bracelets that Syracuse has been wearing and all the other ACC schools have been wearing. And that gives you data on how close you were to player X and how long you were close to player X and what that means for whether you have to go into contact tracing. That's why Buddy initially had to go into contact tracing because I think he was very close to Player X being Coach Beheim at the time, if I'm not mistaken, although I guess that was never fully disclosed. But either way, Buffalo did not have those bracelets, and that eliminated the possibility to eliminate players from being in the discussion of contact tracing. So, as far as we know, BC should have been wearing those bracelets. I think that increases the chances of there being a potential BC pause and not having any impact on Syracuse, but we'll just have to wait and see on this. And like you said, I hope, I really hope that this is not a pause for Syracuse. It would effectively end their their chances of making the NCAA tournament in a sense. I mean, unless you go on a run in the they're ACC already tournament. Slim and that, yeah. yeah, they're already slim and this isn't going to help and... Speaking of another piece of news that isn't going to help, Jalen Johnson for Duke is done for the year. He's opted out of the season to get ready for the NBA draft. So you got to hope that Duke somehow can pull off some of these wins. You almost are hoping for some sort of Ewing theory because in a sense it helps Syracuse because they do have that Duke game still on the schedule. And now the Blue Devils are not going to have their most talented player out there. But it also hurts because you need Duke to kind of elevate themselves as well up and maybe turn into a quad one win for the Orange down the road. So 
it's kind of the the balance of yes it helps but it also kind of hurts you and it, i mean jalen johnson opting out is the white flag if there if it hasn't already been waived if it wasn't waived when yeah when coach k asked jake piazza what his major was this is the the waving of the white flag here the tapping out but this helps and hurts syracuse i i guess I favor the fact that it helps them a little bit more because, all right, you're going to pick up a win, hopefully. It, it makes that win a lot easier to pick up for the Orange. You but know what's going to happen now? It just hit me. Now, the guy that hasn't played all year, Patrick Tepay, is going to play against Syracuse and score oh, no. about 15 points. Oh, and no. it's going to be, oh, uh, why didn't we're we gonna have to, guy? We're going to have to relive through uh, that whole recruiting cycle again. The, the yeah. what-ifs of Syracuse recruiting. That's going to, yeah. You hit that spot on right there. I, I yeah. can't believe. Yeah, well and done. For those well that done don't know, he he really has not panned out at Duke. He he has no. not played. So if you're really bummed about not having him, I guess that's a positive that he has not worked out to the extent that maybe Duke would have thought. Even though Duke has been bad and Duke has not had Jalen Johnson for a good part of the season because of an injury before this. But yeah, weird day in the ACC. Florida State boat raced Virginia. Last night, I mean, the night that we're mm-hmm. recording here. And then also uh, worth noting that Notre Dame and Clemson were postponed due to uh, positive tests within the Clemson program for two reasons that no, that's noteworthy. One, Notre Dame might not play another game until they play Syracuse on, I believe, the 20th, if I'm not mistaken. It's coming up here soon. Yeah, I think it's weekend. Saturday. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, Saturday. So Notre Dame probably will not play another game and will be on a little bit of a mini pause until they play Syracuse, which is the same case for Louisville, except that's a little bit of a longer pause. So that's good for Cuse that they're getting two teams this week that might be, in theory, a little rusty. And then also Clemson now will be probably, I would guess, looking for an opponent in early March. And that window has been talked about a lot, March 3rd for Syracuse potentially playing Clemson. Clemson. Now I think it even makes more sense because that'll be right around the time that they hypothetically get done with their pause and they'll be looking for opponents. So maybe True. that means Cuse could get Clemson. On the UNC is that. looking for opponents too if if Syracuse wants to. I don't know if you saw that tweet, but Northeastern. they're tweeting out. Yeah, yeah. anything. Anything they can get. Um, also, we do have to address this. There was that whole saga that is, I guess, still ongoing, but a group of, what was it, 50 athletes? Syracuse athletes yeah. through a unmasked party and who knows we don't know who was there who wasn't there but that is a, a whole giant mess in and of itself so you hope that doesn't spread around and, and something happened there where you're gonna have an extended shutdown I mean listen I get you're in college I get you want to have fun but this is this is let's let's make something a little bigger than ourselves here all right right like, th- this is a everyone has to pull their own weight and it's just frustrating to see. And listen, I know Syracuse as a university isn't alone with all this stuff, but it's it's bad. Like you, that stuff cannot happen. It, you cannot have a UNC post Duke situation at your university. Yeah. And as far as we know, I shouldn't even say that. We don't know anything, but I'm hoping it's not basketball related. Not that that's that obviously makes it any better, really. But just looking at it from a basketball lens, because that's the team we talk about a lot on this podcast, Beheim said in his little ACC call that he doesn't know of any players being involved in it. So I would hope he wouldn't say that if he did know. And I don't think there's a scenario where he wouldn't know by this point, given that Wildhacks already handed out some suspensions or 
whatever he classified it as. He he went public with it, at least. Yeah, you hope the athletes are being held to the same standard in terms of punishment as the students. There was a great little back-and-forth sequence on Orange or SyracuseFan.com. It said, from one guy, his name's Orange Extreme, don't have to worry about DeVito there. He can't throw anything, least of all a party. That's followed <laughs> up by Elwood J. Blues. Taj was supposed to be there, but he took the wrong route. Oh. And then the last one, I don't have a name of who, who wrote this one, but... Supposed to be a small ga- gathering, but the O-linemen were watching the entrance. Everyone got through. Oh, man. Just rubbing it in on Syracuse football there. That, those are pretty funny responses. <laughs> Celebrating that like big 1-10, in 10, that big, big 1-10 in 10 season. Go, go Orange. Yeah. Huh. That's, that's a funny response there from the message board. And then last thing I want to point out here, this was awesome, but uh, did you see our guy, Justin Knight? He is the world leading two miler right now he just won a race he recorded a an 813 and 92 seconds or 0.92 seconds on the two miler so i think that makes him the the fastest two miler in the world right now i don't know justin listens to the show all the time so um justin if if you're listening right now confirm or deny that fact but I, i think he is the fastest two mile runner in the world right now yeah props to him tough that he couldn't use some of that speed for his Raptors in the playoffs against the Celtics, but I'll leave oh, it at that. that. That's a, a late shot at him. No, no, that's awesome that he, he got that record. That's cool. So it, it makes me wonder. He says he listens to our shows um, on the runs, but does he only get through like five minutes of the show and then he's done? <laughs> like I this, guess maybe. Unless he's listening in his car on the way home. I don't know. Or he's listening on like three times speed. He's one of those yeah. crazy people that speeds it up to that. I don't yeah. know how people do that. I, I can get to 1.2 speed and that's it. And then I can't process it. I'm sorry. I I, I guess I, my brain doesn't work fast enough. Shout out to the 1.25ers out there. Real quick, I'll tell you about the best place on the internet to shop for a car parts. That, of course, is rockauto.com. With the ever-increasing number of makes and models, it's almost impossible to stock all the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. So why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning, like, is your Odyssey an LX or an EX, and wait while the counterman orders the parts on his computer, choosing only the brand his warehouse happens to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com at your home and also in your pocket. And one reason to repair and maintain your car is to save money. And that's the best thing about rockauto.com is that you could choose to spend 30%, 50%, or even 100% more for the exact same auto parts that you're going to get at a chain store or new car dealership. And not only that, but chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. So rockauto.com's prices, though... They're the same for everyone, and they're always reliably low. And one of the best parts about rockauto.com is it's a family business that's been serving auto part customers online for 20 years. It's the consistency that makes them the best. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts for hundreds of manufacturers, and be sure to write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you again when you go to rockauto.com to fix up your car or truck write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com march madness is right around the corner if you want to win your office pool you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the locked on college basketball podcast 
Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, let's get into a mailbag piece from The Athletic. This was done by our friend Matthew Gutierrez, and there are a lot of interesting points that got brought up over the course of this piece. And it, again, mailbag, so a lot of fans submitting their own questions. We should hold our own mailbag at some point, Tim. We should. Yeah. I, I, I think we're we're starting to get to the point where Could we can Could be a good summer like thing, that. for sure. Yeah. Um, or whenever this team gets shut down or something like that. Um, Don't say that. But... <laughs> By the way, Matthew Gutierrez, new picture on his uh, athletic profile picture. He's looking sharp. Really? Huh. I don't know if you've seen it, but it, no, he's I haven't seen good. It. Sharp new pick for for Goody. Anyway, so uh, let's start with this one. It's the the center recruiting. There a lot has been made of what's happening with the centers, and of course, we know Bayheim has gone on shows in the past, talked about the inability to recruit the centers and. I think it's interesting. So Goody says they've missed on a lot of center prospects, as Bayheim has said repeatedly, but they don't run a lot of action for their centers offensively. No real easy or clear answers to this. The Orange are recruiting a few stronger, bigger players in the 2022 class. Transfer portal figures to be a part of what SU's center recruiting will look like moving forward. But I think that he brings up a great point with the the whole offense and how Bayheim is not running a whole lot of sets for some of these centers. The NBA is an offensive league. Bayheim has acknowledged as such. I remember back at the NCAA tournament, he was talking about how he was defending his 2-3 defense and saying, guys get drafted into the NBA for offense, not for defense. And I largely agree with that. And if you're not going to run offensive sets for these bigs, and you're not going to give them a chance to show off defense either, well then these kids want to go to the league. They don't want to right. go and play college for four years. That's not their plan, quote-unquote, especially these top 100 guys that you are trying to get. You need to show some sort of dedication to the big man and letting them show their offensive game because the last time we really saw it was Tyler Lydon. Yeah, that's a good point, The these kids who want to go to the league point, because let's think about it, and let's be perfectly honest about this. If you're a five-star kid right now, and you can see it in these quotes that these kids are saying, when I read through articles that says, what does Brandon Huntley Hatfield think about X school? And I don't know if this really pertains to him, but just as an example, he's going to say in his quote or a little blurb about Auburn that Auburn is really good at getting pros and they're a player coach. Right. Or they, they have a player coach that blossoms you into a pro for Syracuse. If we're being honest, these five-star kids, what they really care about is getting into the NBA. How can I get there as quick as possible? And I know Jeremy Grant's having a great year, and I know that he's maybe an all-star this year, but if you're being honest about it, Cuse doesn't have a ton in the NBA, and Melo is losing value. He's losing steam. Uh, you know, you, you I obviously do that podcast with Devo, and he's had a lot of the former guys on, and he asked them, why'd you pick Cuse? A lot of them said, Carmelo was a big deal for me. I, Carmelo, Carmelo. 
it's different now. They don't really have the same value. Like Dior Johnson said when he picked Cuse, Syracuse basketball is now back. He didn't say, I want to go be the next Carmelo or I think I'm going to Cuse because they're in a great spot as a program. They're to a kid like Dior that's his age. He views Syracuse as on a decline in a program that's not getting a whole lot NBA-wise, which is huge to a five-star kid. I think, yeah, that's spot on. And I'm glad you brought up the stuff that you hear from Devo. Listen, Carmelo has what? Two, three years left in the league, probably? If that? When that goes, it's going to be a tougher uphill battle. And again, you can point to the history and all that stuff. These kids, I mean, you live in a, a short attention span world and mindset now. It's a what have you done for me lately yeah. sort of business, it feels like. Especially in the game of recruiting. What have you done for me lately? And, I mean, just look at the last couple of prospects that have come out of Syracuse and have gone to the NBA. Or have tried to go to the NBA. Elijah Hughes got drafted, all right? And I think he can go out and be a good pro. He's, I think he's battling an injury right now. Yep. Tyus Battle, he tried to go to the NBA. Didn't work out so far. Tyler Lydon has flamed out of the G League. You have O'Shea Brissett, who's bouncing around G League teams and went undrafted. You have Malachi Richardson, who went in the first round, but never really... I mean, he had a little cup of coffee in the NBA. He might get back at some point, but he's been playing in a lot of leagues overseas right now. The track record is not good lately. And you want guys that can be ambassadors for the program once they're in the pros. And... Like, how much cachet does Michael Carter-Williams hold right now? Jeremy right. Grant. I mean, like, what are those guys? What are the ambassadors of... Those are the guys who you should be pointing to, and you should have a lot more. You should. You. you it's not like Syracuse has gone barren in recruiting, all right? Tyus no. Battle was a, a top 50 guy. Malachi Richardson was a top... He was a McDonald's All-American. The Tyler forward Biden spot has really been good. good. Honestly, yeah, it, it's it really not been has. great, but... It's the centers. That's the issue. And, right. you know, another another thing that Devo always brings up, not to just make it all about what he brings up, but I think it's noteworthy. He talks a lot about how players these days, I think to use his words, would be they've gotten a little bit soft and they just don't really put up with Bayheim as much. And a lot of guys have transferred out recently. That's a lot of different things. One, I'd say the transfer portal is just more active than it's ever been. And Syracuse has been the beneficiary of that a little bit, too. And when you look right. at these recruiting mm -hmm. rankings, they don't factor in that Syracuse got Alan Griffin, Elijah Hughes, and Andrew White since the uh, recruiting violations have come through. John Gillen, they, too. Mm -hmm. Right, John Gillen. That's an, uh, Gino Thorpe, if you if you want to count that. That yeah, was I mean, a negative. If you want to go back, Wes Johnson, too. Right. And, and I'm saying, like, since Mike Hopkins has left, they have nabbed a lot of really good wing players. And I think there's no denying that. Is it slightly down? Probably. But the issue is is really just the center position. And that's what they need to fix. And that's what they need to look at getting. Because not only is it getting centers, it's getting the most out of your centers when they get to campus, developing them in the weight room, and getting them to be ready to play and ready to play Jim Beheim's 2-3 zone and in his system. But yeah, these guys nowadays... They want to play for the sexy young coach. Like Nate Oates, I, I, it's laughable, but I hear players say, I picked Nate Oates because I can talk about girls with him, and I, and I can talk right. about going on dates and how I can get to the NBA. And same with Bruce Pearl. I know I'm giving Auburn a lot of love, but they're just an example. Like <laughs> Auburn is 
Zach Blackerby of, of Locked On Auburn lo- just right. loves Shout this out episode to him. of the show. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, Auburn shouldn't be better at Syracuse than recruiting, right? But if you're a five-star kid right now, they're a they're just a better like situation than Cuse. And honestly, these recruiting rankings they're getting are 30, 40s. And like I said, it's a, it's a couple things that really knock the rankings. One, Cuse has gotten a couple guys from Canada – and Quincy Garrier and O'Shea, who would they would have been higher higher rated guys, and even Marek to an it's extent true. would yeah. have been a higher rated guy if he was a United States guy and played over on the states more. So that knocks AAU their circuits, all that stuff. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and the other thing is the transfers that knocks their rating. But really, Cuse is in the thirty to forty range right now on most cycles, and honestly, they're probably when you look at everything in the state of the program. 30th or 40th best place from a recruiting standpoint right now in the country. I know that's a hard exercise to do, and it a lot of it depends on where you grew up and who you followed growing up and who your dad played for. It's different for each player, but right now, I don't think they're getting a five-star guy at the moment unless they have some ties to the program. Like, Benny grew up with a, a like anchoring to play for Syracuse and he really liked Syracuse for a long time Dior kind of grew up in the New York area they got him for a moment and then obviously we know what happened there and the thing too is I mean the big man I get it's tough to to sell a big man on Syracuse right now where the offense isn't really predicated around him and the defense you can't show yourself off is there a chance that could change after Bayheim? absolutely Absolutely, that could change post Bayheim. I mean, you think about if someone else were to come in and put their fingerprint on the program a little bit. And, and listen, that person might be on the staff, whether it's GMAC, Autry, or if maybe there's a return trip from Hopkins. Who knows? Whatever it is. There is a chance to change that narrative still. And it would be a little bit of we're not playing 2-3 zone 100% of the time. Yeah. And the other part would be just getting the bigs a little more involved in the offense. Like, I think of Kofi Coburn, and I know Syracuse, I believe, had an offer out to him. I don't know how far along it got into the process with him, but he's a guy that if he was at Syracuse right now, he would he could do a lot of the same things he, he's doing at Illinois. Sure. <laughs> it, like, I mean, you look at the way that he plays his game. First of all, Illinois will reject him for, like, 10-minute spans, it feels like, at points. And just not let him just go be Shaq in the paint. But can you imagine if this Syracuse team or any of the Syracuse teams of the past two years had a guy like that in the middle who defensively, you wouldn't have to have him pull out and go and guard some, some stretch fives. And you'd also, you'd have a a guy who you could just feed the ball to in the post. And it is an easy two points every single time. You're not going to get out physical drastically against teams like UNC. It would just completely change everything that you... It would change the way you view the center position at Syracuse, quite frankly. Yeah. Well, part of it is, and it goes back to what I was saying, With if you're a five-star center, you don't want to go to Cuse, A, because they haven't had the history. Also, it's just not a great reputation of being a freshman and playing at Syracuse at the moment, and even getting any minutes at the moment. So if you're not a five-star center... Let's face it, if you're a four-star center, it's probably more just because you have potential, not because you're like ready to score right away. A lot of centers get or have to get developed a lot when they're 18 years old. So 
like a Frank Anselm, like a John Bolajac, Jesse Edwards. And that's when they're not able to get the five stars, because they aren't right now, because of the reasons that I said, then you're you're left with four stars. And honestly, I mean, it, it's it's getting to a point where I'm sure Beheim would say it's bad luck and, and they've had a string of bad luck. They had Darius Baisley. That's a great what if. They just missed out on Isaiah Stewart. When you think about the timing of Hopkins leaving, maybe he would have came. But honestly, it's becoming more than just a coincidence now. This is a pattern. This is a trend. It's a concerning trend. And I'd like to see them address it or at least acknowledge it even more so than they have. Because I know Beheim has acknowledged it, but I mean, they don't have a guy on staff that is developing the centers. Maybe they take a look in the mirror during this offseason and make some changes. And honestly, that's just not really in the staff's nature, it seems like. I'm not counting on it, but it's getting to the point now where it's four or five years and you have not had one center to show for. I guess Tyler Lydon technically was a, uh, he could play a little center, but I don't even really count that. Like Torian Thompson would have worked out and he left. And again, it's just bad luck to an extent, but it's getting to the point where it's a concerning, concerning trend and they've got to fix it or else they're just going to be a middle tier ACC team. I don't care how many Benny Williams they get. If they don't get some presence of physicality in the middle, it's going to be similar conversations every year. One last break to tell you guys about betonline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action today. Football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, NHL, all in full swing right now. You can even bet on reality TV shows on betonline.ag. If you're into The Bachelor, I know it's kind of heading down the home stretch right now. Maybe you get in some prop bets on that. They have all kinds of prop bets. Anything you can imagine, basically is covered over at betonline.ag. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Plus, when you sign up for your free account today, use our promo code Locked On. It's all one word, and it gets you a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, that promo code Locked On for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit at betonline.ag. Last point I want to get to from this mailbag, and you can check it out on The Athletic. Be sure to go subscribe if you're not already because Goody puts out the best work. He's one of the most plugged-in Syracuse guys. There's a reason we have him on our show a couple times a month. But let's get into a little bit of the guards here. This one's coming from Robert M. It says, JG3 fails the eye test. Sorry, too inconsistent. But the problem is he can get streaky and light it up, and it's tough to not play him. I know JB says he needs all three guards, and what he ignores the and that he ignores the fans' wishes, which he smartly should do. But when Richmond comes in, it is just a different team. Any idea from Bayheim that why Richmond doesn't start? Why wait for the spark from him when he comes in? How about actually getting a start to the game with a spark? And Goody goes on to say, few things can be true at once. Something that can be easy, some things can also be easy to forget. Yes, Syracuse needs all three guards to perform well. Joe Jordan has the ability to hit threes and should be on the floor, but basically every statistic says Richmond is thoroughly outplaying Gerard. Yeah. Richmond already has garnered interest from several NBA teams and obviously is the best defender on the team. And then he gets into some of the, the per 40-minute averages. And he concludes by saying, I doubt Richmond starts and I understand the frustration, but Richmond has been playing a lot more of late and the rotation is always going to be Bayheim's call. In an ideal world, all three guards improve in the final weeks of the season. And, and by the that, way, I, there really hasn't been a game this year where Kadari Richmond playing 10 or 15 more minutes would have changed the outcome, in my mind. I, I Yes, that is a great For whatever point. it's worth. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. Do I think he should be playing more? Yes, but look at their losses. I like 
Rutgers, he played the full game uh, because mm-hmm. Buddy was out, or he, not the full right. game, but most of it. And yeah. the Pittsburgh losses, I mean, he was out there for a good chunk of it, from what I remember. He played more minutes than he was at that time. They still got blitzed. Like, these games where he is making an impact, he has swung some games for them. NC State, he swung the first round. Uh, there's probably mm-hmm. others that I'm forgetting. Miami is another yeah. one. Miami, and and he's definitely made a huge impact in some, but in their losses, it's not like we've looked at it and been like, why is Kadari, or would it have been a win if Kadari would have played 35 minutes versus 20 or 25? Yeah, I feel like when we come on the next day after a loss and we get into the guard conversation, it's not a, oh, if Kadari played 30 minutes, they would have won. It, it would have been a, well, we would like to see a little more Kadari because he showed some flashes and, and maybe could have made this game a little bit closer. I, I agree. I think that is a great point. I don't think that Kadari playing 25 minutes instead of 15 or 30 instead of 20, you're right. It, it would not have changed the outcome of a single game, in my opinion, at least. Yeah. Now, and some people are going to completely disagree with that. Like, we right. know there's a lot of people out there that will stand by Kadari a lot. And I think that's I mean, totally the Kadari fun. hive. They're like the, they're like the LaMelo hive. They're, they're a crappy <laughs> right. bunch. <laughs> they are. Um, yeah. It's in, I mean, it's obvious too, but Joe Girard spaces the floor. And I remember Bob Knight said this one time, but there's nothing more impactful, I think he said, on offense than floor spacers. And it's true right. to an extent. So, I mean, there's a reason why you hear all the time, oh, that guy's going to be so much better in the NBA because there's spacing on the floor. You hear that all the time <laughs> with with draft prospects. Oh, wait till that guy has spacing. Girard and Buddy and Allen provide spacing. Kadari does not. He does none of that. And we're not here to poo-poo on Kadari. What we're trying to say is that, yes, they just need all of them to play well. Like th- That's the formula. You just can't have the nights where Joe's going to get you two, or Kadari's going to look lost on defense, or Buddy's going to go one for eight from three. You just can't have those nights. You need everyone to kind of pull their weight. We're not asking for a 30-point Joe performance or a, a seven of ten shooting performance from three from Buddy or a 10 assist performance from Kadari. No, like if Joe can get you 12, Buddy can go six for eight from the floor or six of 10 from the floor on and taking good shots. If Kadari can get you three steals and, and pitch in five assists, that's what you need. That's the formula. It's not Joe, go get me 30. It's not Buddy, go shoot the lights out. Like that's not it. Yeah, I just... And this is the final thing I'll say. We've gone kind of long on a podcast that I actually didn't think we'd go that long today, but this has been a good one. Um, the thing I'll say to end here is if Kadari was starting, which I, what I would changes? say. Yeah, like. like it's not like Joe's team, not going to play. Right. This team's 12 and 6 right now. Ask yourself, whoever's listening to this podcast, and I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that really have been advocating for Kadari to start. I want you to think about this honestly. If Kadari was starting this season, what's their record? Is it that much better? Are they off the bubble? Are they legitimately... Do they have a quad one win? Yeah, like that I think that's what it comes down to. Do they have a quad one win if Kadari's the starter? Now, I get a lot of people are going to say, well, all, all you have to ask yourself is would the team be better if you started Kadari? 
this is a different argument. I, I agree that Kadari should be playing more. I don't want it to come across that I'm totally out on Kadari. Listen, we I love Kadari. Yeah. It, <laughs> it may I not sound th- like it, but we do. We promise. Right. I do think when people say that he's the next Michael Carter Williams already, and he, if he was starting, then this team would be, like, it wouldn't be that drastically different. That's all I'm trying to say. Like, there remember, much Michael Carter Williams didn't play got. a ton of minutes his freshman year either what did he play like 12 minutes a game yeah. or something like that it was I, not I, it a was big a lot. number it was very little yeah I, yeah because I, I know Kadari's numbers are actually a lot better than him in a lot of instances because he he didn't but I, I mean it, it's just Beheim has gotten so much crap for this and I get it I totally get it like I, I'm one that I've gotten on this podcast a ton of times and I've said start Kadari and I've said Joe's really bad but honestly Joe's been a little bit better of late and I do think, even though a lot of people disagree, I do think Kadari playing 35 minutes, he would get less effective. When he's playing yes. 2025, there's a lot of pros to it. He's staying fresh out there. He comes in, he provides a spark. Is he better than Joe? Probably, yeah. Should he be starting? Probably, yeah. But I don't think it's like worth yelling about at the top of your lungs because... This team is still, at best, on the bubble, even if he's been handled a little bit better over the course of the season. At the end of the day, it matters who closes out the games. And Kadari, for the most part, has been out there, at least recently. He's been out there over Joe in many crunch time situations. And I think there are a number of people who will be pointing at um, the schedule and, and hearing the things we said of how many games would he have actually changed. The game that people will point at is the UNC game. They'll say, yeah, that's oh, well, it. if yeah. Kadari played, that that could change. Kadari came in and played and, and was in there in crunch time. And Joe Joe sat for a good portion of the end of that game. And the result didn't change. And I don't think and it would Joe have changed was terrible a whole heck of game. a lot. Right, yeah. yeah. Joe was not good in that game. You could point to some things with Alan Griffin. Buddy went cold. But at the end of the day, Kadari can only do so much to change the game. I mean, Kadari coming in is not going to all of a sudden make Buddy Bayheim go and pick up where he left off in the first half. Right. Him coming in is not going to prevent Alan Griffin from turning the ball over, per se. Him coming in is not necessarily going to change Joe Girard missing open shots. Now, he may get Girard some open shots. He may get Buddy some open shots. But at the end of the day, they have to make those shots. And that's something that... Listen, Kadari's not going to be a guy who's going to go out there and get you 20 game-changing points. He's going to maybe get you 10 on a good night. So offensively, he's not going to do a lot in that regard. He's going to allow shooters to get a little more open, but it it kind of starts and ends there. Yeah. He... I think the offense actually does look a lot better at times when Joe's out there. <laughs> at this point, I'm, we're just losing subscribers because I know people are so <laughs> pro Kadari. Uh, but and I keep saying this is the final thing, but yeah, I just at times when Kadari's out there, it doesn't work, and I think we need to acknowledge that. Like last game, Kadari was not good, and it's okay. He's a freshman. I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but. When Joe plays bad, it's everyone coming out in pitchforks. When Kadari plays bad, I want people to understand yeah, that there Simpson are some... Yeah, the bushes. Yeah, like... <laughs> right. It's just... when he Go watch back when he first came in that BC game, last game. I mean, they played really bad for five minutes, and offensively, they just went stagnant. And I do think BC was like, okay, Kadari, come drive at us. 
and they didn't have as much spacing on the floor with them out there. Like, Bayheim has been doing this a long time, and he's got a point with the floor spacing. Should Kadari be playing more? Yes, I'll say it again. But it's just, it's tough because I think people are too far on one side when there really is a little bit more middle ground to this than people are letting on. No doubt. All right, we've been going a little long here, so we will get out of here. If the game gets axed tomorrow against Louisville, then we will just dive into some more because I think we have a lot of leftover thoughts too. A couple of topics we didn't get to in this mailbag. So we will preview the Louisville game tomorrow. Hopefully that thing goes off as planned and we'll let you know everything you need to know about the Cardinals who will be missing two anonymous players right now. We're not sure which two, but two scholarship players will not be playing in this one. They will have Chris Mack, their head coach, back. So that is... uh, I guess good news for him and, and his health because he was one of those people that came down with COVID-19. Um, but good for that to see Chris Mack back on the sidelines as well. We'll have your entire Louisville preview on the show tomorrow. For Tim, I'm Tyler. We'll talk to you guys soon.